do you see any kind of general trends with technology, how everything's moving that maybe could be good areas for an agency owner to uh, build products within? I think that there's right now, especially kind of the Lego effect. Hello, everybody, and welcome to How to Scale an Agency. We're going to be focusing on all the ways in which your business can grow and scale online as a digital marketing agency. The digital marketing agency space has never been easier to get into. And on this podcast, we're going to help uncover all the tricks and tools of the trade that digital marketing agency owners are doing today to help them achieve the scale necessary to be wealthy, prosperous, and do good in the world. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Hello, everybody. I'm here with Steven Sadowski. He is the co-founder of Digital For Her, as well as a couple of other digital products online and websites. Steven, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Lucas. Glad to be here. It's great to have you. Um, we had a little bit of a conversation before the interview started about some of the stuff that you're doing, but I'd love for you to share that with the audience. Sure. I mean, we'll start with Digital For Her, which is a, uh, a woman-oriented, female-oriented digital marketing agency that we started in 2019 during the pandemic. I think it's been a really interesting and eye-opening experience to kind of bring my technology skills to the digital marketing world, especially as we focus on small and medium-sized businesses that may have a lack of uh, capabilities or a lack of understanding of what they don't understand. You know, the, the question always is out there, what do I not know that I do not know? So right. coming back into that and being able to share my expertise and experience and help people grow their brands, help people grow their platforms is, has been a really enjoyable thing for me. I love that. And uh, specifically, you know, a lot of agencies I talked to actually did also start around the pandemic. And I'm curious, did you, did you guys officially incorporate in 2019 or was it 2020? No, we officially incorporated in 2019. So, okay. I was going to say, because you missed out on the, uh, I think there's some tax credit or something. They're giving away like $50,000 to any business that started during the uh, pandemic, like 2020. So, I was just curious, because that would have been an interesting thing for listening. I mean, at this point, I'm pretty sure that no matter when you start, you're going to miss out on something. So, (laughs) it is what it is, and, and we'll work with what we got, just like we always do. Right, 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 right. Well, it's very interesting. So walk me through a little bit why you guys started Digital For Her, specifically around the, I guess, the brand and the categories, because obviously it sounds like it's focused on female businesses. Is that correct? Female-owned businesses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Female-owned and oriented businesses. My partner specifically has a strong background in digital media marketing around luxury brands and came out of a, you know, a layoff at the beginning of the lockdown for the pandemic. And we were trying to figure out how we can leverage the knowledge and skills that she has in order to, you know, find some way to, to bring back in while we were adjusting to the reality, the new reality that, that was coming into play. So um, it really landed. There were a number of people that she had worked with before and a number of people that reached out that had been previously asking if uh, she could share her expertise. And so it just really ran from there as, you know, the, the positive community impact kind of fed back into the way that we were approaching things. 
Right. One thing that I see a lot uh, from the larger agencies that I have on the show, which I think would be extremely exciting to hear from you. You know, they ask me for all the new tips, tricks, tools of the trade that, you know, businesses are implementing, specifically agencies. And I find that the newer the agency is, the more scrappy they tend to be. And sometimes they find some things that uh, the larger agencies really don't know about yet. So I'm curious, like, how have you guys gone about scaling? I mean, it's been any, any unique ways that you've been able to acquire customers? Curious. And I wish my, my partner could join me on this one, but uh, because she does the business development and acquisition on my side of, of the fence, really the technology side, I was able to bring a lot of my skills to bear there. So our technology run rate where you might have even an investment in like a Squarespace or something like that, which runs you, you know, $20, $30 a month, maybe more depending on if you have additional pieces to what you're doing, you know, if you have customer acquisition databases, that kind of thing, marketing and outbound um, delivery type of situations. I've been able to take all of my experience and keep our, our technology run rate very, very low because nice. I'm able to manage that in-house. So as opposed to where we were looking at early on at how do we get everything out there, we took some of the other things that we had worked on together previously and created our own kind of technology bundle. Our run rate for our technology even today is somewhere around $30 a month max. So, you know, that is partially because I'm not including the overhead cost of my time, but Right. You know, if we look at the real cost of just what our outbound spend is on that, there's always a way to get that down, trim that down and understand what you're paying for, um, which you kind of is all blanketed together when you're going with a platform as a service like like a Squarespace or, you know, even a WordPress.com or something else that you're using to host and then add on all of these additional services all of that adds up really quickly and may not really have the ROI that you're looking for. That's super interesting. And, and, and just because I think you broke up there a little bit on my side, which sure. channel was it that you said was doing the best from outbound? She's doing a lot of outbound email marketing as well as a lot of social media marketing. Both of those have a pretty good return rate, but I don't, I'm not fully in tune with the customer acquisition yeah. portion. So but you hear her, you hear her talk about, you know, the kind of clients she's obviously talking to and things like that. What kind of brands or businesses would you say most of your clients are? Like, are they, is it a particular category? Tends to yeah, be I mean, we actually started with jewelry, which was mm -hmm. an inbound acquisition for us. Somebody had reached out directly and it kind of grew from there. So we had, uh, we had some of that and we turned over a few of those mostly because when you're dealing with very small businesses, you know, the under 10 person mom and pops, really the appetite for spend is, has to be balanced with the actual revenue and cash flow that they have available. One of the things that I like to do is make sure that they're well-educated on what they're actually paying for on the technology side. And I think that my partner's goal is to make sure that they understand how that they can get a better return out of their marketing channels that they're using internally right. and how those work together. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the technology side of things. So what kind of brands do you typically work with in your other business where you consult on AWS, et cetera? That one actually runs across the board. 
We have a large number of clients. We're big in the Chicago market. Um, we're an advanced tier uh, AWS technology and consulting partner, which means that we get a lot of exposure to new and exciting things that are happening in the Midwest. Some of our, our brands are specifically um, logistics. So we have a growing inroad into kind of the logistics vertical. We also have a pretty big footprint in fintech. So right. as you start, and, and Chicago is pretty big for that as well. And then we have some ancillary stuff that's, that's just out there, right? All right. of the Chicago market has startups at all, all times. And if you're not familiar with, we're located directly across from uh, the Merchandise Mart, which houses 1871, one of, the, um, one of the premier incubators here. So we have pretty good inroads into that as well. Those are our two biggest verticals, I'd say. We also have a lot of uh, legacy, as I'll term it, legacy clients that are looking to go from traditional on-premises data center type environments into right. AWS to, you know, for, for the common reasons, right? Cost reduction, yeah. speed of iteration, being able to rapidly respond to disaster recovery situations. Very interesting. And I think one thing that I want to hone in on a little bit for our listeners is you're probably somebody who sees a lot of different trends, you know, technological trends and things like sure. that. Now you're working within an agency, you co-founded an agency, whether you have this aspiration or not, have you seen any sort of ideas for software that you think could be opportunities for agencies to maybe build themselves? Like, is there any particular challenges that you've been sort of working through with your own agency and maybe you thought, wow, this would be a great software product or anything along those lines? If not, do you see any kind of general trends with technology, how everything's moving that maybe could be good areas for an agency owner to uh, build products within? I think that there's right now, especially kind of the Lego effect. There are a lot of little building blocks out there and it's fairly easy for a decently versed development team to go and pick and choose what the right ones look like for any particular client. So right. going through and say, feeding your CRM data into a Salesforce, but then pulling it back out and feeding it um, directly into maybe an analytics engine that goes ahead and takes information from Crunchbase or something else and mashes it all together, feeds it through uh, an ML model, and then comes up with potential and desirable targets based on some criteria that you're setting could be really interesting as far as finding, you know, what are my new target clients doing? That's right. something that, that the CRM platform itself is only geared towards collecting the leads, collecting the data, not really massaging it and figuring out what it looks like or what yeah. your high potential is. And this works across the board, right? There's all these little things. Maybe instead of that, you're feeding it into on the Amazon side, maybe Amazon Chime to manage automatically set up meetings or, you know, Zoom does the same thing or even Google Meet where you have these API tools available to you and just piece by piece, you build the exact thing that either you as an agency are looking for to manage your own client base or to, you know, expand into your client's world and give them, you know, a custom offering or a semi-customized offering that they may not be able to pick up off the shelf. 
Right. That's, that is very interesting. You know, I, I think one thing that would be very helpful to talk about too, in regards to software and agency software is picking up from our previous conversation about AWS and scalability and infrastructure. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about bubble, which is something that I use. Um, right. And, you know, whether you're versed with bubble or just other no code platforms, is it something that's unequivocal if you're an agency owner and you're looking to get into software and you may not actually be a full stack developer. I mean, is are there scenarios where it makes sense to jump right in and start hiring developers and spending a lot of money, even though you're not a technical person? Or should every founder who maybe, let's say, is under like a million dollars a year in revenue, who may not have like hundreds of thousand dollars in cash sitting around or hasn't raised money, is it better right. for most of those founders to start with something like bubble like is there any scenarios where that doesn't make sense they have a specific ask for you know a software build the chances right. are that you're going to be able to do a better job with bringing in a dev or a, a development team whether that's local or a nearshore or an offshore team that you've worked with in the past to build a very um, specific and well detailed project out you may be able to return that cost very quickly especially right. if they're working from a known good state like they, they already have basically a template in place for doing something like what you want you know you right. could get things out there where you're looking at you know spending sub ten thousand dollars and you have a hundred thousand dollar sow signed well as long as you know what you're getting and you understand the work pattern that may be a lot better than say spending several weeks going through and learning a no code platform and then trying to build out exactly what you, what you want to build and then trying to work through what the changes are. I think the right. issue there is more the learning curve than whether or not it's a great idea. Now, if you already know yeah. that platform, if you already have a good understanding of how to get what you want out of it and you and or your design team already have a path to go forward, a good working relationship and cadence with your client, maybe that's not such a big deal. But it does have the caveat of you're stuck within whatever structure that the no-code platform that you're working with provides. So when you start talking about customizations or like little tiny tweaks or adding yeah. additional things in, well, then you start still having, you start down the path of having to pay for custom development anyway. Right. So understanding right. what the ask from the client is before you make the decision will really determine whether or not what you want to do. Now, if you have like a little pamphlet app that you're wanting to throw out on, you know, multiple platforms, Android and, and iOS, and you're really just trying to figure out how you're going to get client engagement, it's a, it's maybe even like a, you know, I'm pretty sure you're younger than I am, but you know, back in the early 2000s, you always had the little web pages you might see with the like the coming soon thing. Right. Well, we're flashier than that now, right? Like we, we yeah. we're putting good design in front of the idea that we're launching something. And so maybe if you have a placeholder app or something like that, where you want to announce a launch or you have something else going on, but you don't have a real need for data or connectivity around it that might be a really good way to, to go down that path as well, because it's a short development cycle. Right. You know, when, when you, in general, when, when, when people work with you uh, regarding AWS, cause AWS is a massive, massive animal. <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> it is enormous. Would you say that, uh, what is the number one problem people come to you for? Is it uh, scalability, uh, like figuring out how to scale their application up and going to AWS for that? Is it 
flexibility of AWS? Is it features that yeah. maybe are not offered on other platforms that AWS can offer? Yeah, for better or for worse, number one is like understanding what the spend is. Um, I think that's the same thing across the board, no matter what tools you're working with. Right. But people go into AWS and you can rapidly, if you are not careful, get into a situation where you're spending, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars a month to support infrastructure that you may not necessarily need to spend. There's a lot of good ways to manage that, whether it's figuring out exactly what's necessary in order to keep that running. Because again, this is, this is the cloud, right? You have the ability to handle things on demand. You don't necessarily have to have everything running all of the time anymore, like you did kind of 10 or 20 years ago, understanding where you're spending that money. Like if you have the idea that you're going to be running ML models, do you really need the modeling platform to be, or the ML platform to be running all of the time? or just when your data science or data engineering team is going through and doing their processing. Having a good understanding and just being able to talk through, even you know internally, is like, what do we actually need and how do we save that money in order to increase uh, our overall you know, margin is, is really important for a lot of people. Second one is not understanding the services, right? So mm-hmm. are we doing the right thing for the delivery of whatever it is, an application, a platform, an API? Do we need remote desktops for our team because now suddenly it's 2019 and nobody can be face-to-face anymore, right? All of these questions come into play. And so making sure that the services that are in use match the requirements of the company are probably the second biggest thing. And... I guess last question before we go into our lightning round here at the end is, I guess, when does it become a problem for agency owners looking to scale their applications to come to you? Like how much do you think they are probably going to be needing to use AWS for it to even make sense, like to where this is a problem? Is it usually large enterprises or is it kind of I mean, we, we do all sorts of short, shorter engagements to help do that thing. And, and we do what in a lot of cases are called well-architected reviews, which is re- really a very short sub 40 hour engagement where we work with a client to go through a set of criteria that's been established by AWS to make sure that the workloads that are running inside of their cloud are being properly utilized. And so we'll, they have five pillars, but we normally focus on security and operations these days you know, cost analysis is, is another option there, but security is, is a big one. Um, and I haven't really mentioned it much up to this point, but nobody wants to uh, be in a situation where their data gets leaked, whether it's their own internal corporate data or whether it's like client records, that kind of thing. So understanding like how you go through and whether or not as a possibly non-technology oriented agency coming in saying, well, we store all this data in S3 buckets, which is just a big object store, but people tend to know that name because as you look over the data breaches in the past few years, S3 buckets with open data have been a huge source for people to come in and steal that information. Even though, you know, the question is always, is it stealing if you didn't bother to lock it down in the first place? Focusing on those things early on can help set the tone for a growth strategy that incorporates the right mindset to be successful in AWS. Well, I love this. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. And I definitely know that people listening who are looking to 
start an application uh, or are scaling their application and are thinking of using AWS or already on it and they own an agency, definitely hit you up. And uh, just to kind of go into our lightning round here at the end, uh, we just asked a couple of questions to kind of like, you know, give some context for listeners. First question would be how old are, how old are you? If I recall correctly, 42. 42. <laughs> and uh, agency age is less than a year, right? It's been a year and a half. Yeah, about 18, well, 15 months-ish. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. Any book recommendations, business book recommendations? I am a huge fan of Chris Voss's Never Split the Difference, mm, which is- I hear that um, one all the time. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Um, it's good it's great since, it's came, since it came out. And, and a lot of them are derived from uh, the recommendations he makes in there. So um, right. starting with no and let's see, uh, getting to a yes are always like right. different takes on the same thing, but understanding how to work well with others, especially coming from- an agency or any kind of like delivery type of thing, making sure that your clients are happy and educated about both what you can do for them. And when you get to an impasse, making sure that that's resolved in a way that is beneficial for everyone. What, what is your goal with the agency? Like the end goal, is it to sell the agency at some point or to just harvest it for life and just have it be your piggy bank? I mean, for... I, I, I would love to end up doing it full time. I love the technology aspect of things. I don't think we've made any real decision about long-term goals. It, it really did start out as a, a way to use contacts out of necessity to, you know, to, to bring some income in. Uh, and it's yeah. just grown from there. I love that. And then uh, this might just have to tap in more to your, you know, kind of broader understanding of the markets. Cause you know, you said you aren't looking to necessarily sell or think about the long-term goals, but just out of curiosity, I ask everyone this, like, how would you value a digital marketing agency like at your size? I mean, at your size, you probably, I mean, maybe wouldn't be an opportunity to sell right now, but like if somebody, let's say you guys get three to four times bigger, do you typically, would you value that agency? Like, let's say you guys are doing $40,000 a month, you know, 15% net profit, 30% gross margins. You guys are still running the agency, you want to offload your client base. Like, how would you value that? Would you value it? How much would somebody have to pay you at half a million dollars a year to sell your agency completely, I guess? I mean, I think the the ultimate value is like, what is the engagement? What is the long-term engagement of your client base looks like? If if my revenue is $40,000 a month um, and that is based on really just turning over clients, you know, short-term engagements, I don't know that that has as high of a value as, you know, saying that we're working with 10 or 20 different smaller, you know, SMB size clients. Um, but we also have, you know, three-year deals signed with them to, you mm -hmm. know, be, you know, their, uh, you know, at this size, it's never going to be an agency of record, but to be their go-to for, you know, certain types of marketing deals. If you can show that that revenue is going to be a consistent return, that's definitely going to have a higher value um, on the sales side. Uh, at least if I were coming back to evaluate my own, you know, my, yeah. my own value for, for selling the company. So it really depends, I guess, the answer for nearly everything in this world. But so if, if you guys are doing half a million, would you take a half a million dollar check to exit? I don't think I would. Like if I if if I think that we're doing like half a million, I would probably say based on our our three year expected revenue return that, that yeah. we cash out at like one point five. 
if I could show that that was a valid, you know, expected revenue stream for that period of time, mostly yeah. because I'd want to take that money and reinvest it and do something else, you know, re- I, get that, I have yeah. other things going on and like taking, lifting up with, with half a million is great, but understanding that like I'm selling for just the one year annualized return of my business would be, I think, giving up in a way. Right. Right. No, I completely understand. Well, thank you so much, Stephen, for being on the podcast. Uh, I know the listeners probably really enjoyed it and uh, very interesting take on the technical side of things. And, um, yeah. you know, if, if, if you're listening and you're a, a female owned business um, or focused business brand, Digital for Her is also his business. So, you know, reach out, reach out, uh, out to him if you have any needs there. But Stephen, is there anything you want to leave off with listeners? Maybe they can reach you for something. It is, uh, it is my wife's Jamie, uh, my wife, Jamie's business. Um, so reach out to her, Jamie at digitalforher.com is the best way to get a hold of us. If you are looking for something or you have larger AWS oriented needs, um, you can always reach out to me at uh, U-Turn Data Systems. That's just my first initial last name, S. Sadowski at uturndata.com. I'd be happy to have a chat with, uh, with you about what you're doing in AWS. All right, folks, thank you for listening. Until next time, thank you, Stephen.